0: So you've got to make, you've got to give them something special. So part of that could be the download. Part of it could be experience. But the thing it really needs to be is exclusive. It's got to be something special.
1: Hello and welcome to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Now, I started this podcast as a way to give you access to the thoughts, ideas, and suggestions from people who actually work every day in the music industry on how to move your music career forward. Now, I'm blessed to have helped launch the career of superstar Taylor Swift, and I served as her manager for two years. I currently manage American Idol winner Trent Harmon, consult scott borchetta and the big machine label group and have been helping thousands of artists around the world navigate the music industry by the way contrary to popular belief there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry so check out my website rickbarker.com take the quiz and i will send you information specific to you to help you make sure that you are on the right track enjoy the podcast Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. So I'm excited to finally get a chance to sit down and uh, have a conversation uh, with Ian. We have known each other uh, by way of me being a fan of blogs, and I read his blog a few years ago and had reached out to him, and today I wanted to have a discussion with him, uh, basically talking about the importance of email marketing. I think it's uh, still one of the best tools in the world that people overlook sometimes, especially now that we're so caught up in social media. And one of the things I realized early on is not everyone's going to see your post, but everyone at some point will get your email. Now it's up to you to build the relationship to get them to open it. So Ian, thank you again for uh, taking the time to chat.
0: You're very welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, Rick.
1: So tell everyone a little bit about yourself, where you're located, what your background is, and then we'll jump in on some of the things that you've seen work. And we'll just have a very candid and open conversation about relationship building and, more importantly, using email in order to do that.
0: Sure. I live and work in London, England. Um, I started out as a music lawyer. I left that to manage songwriters and producers. I ended up running a label, a publishing company, running events. And then four or five years ago, well, no, more like 10 years ago now, I started doing online marketing in uh, music uh, for label clients. Um, And I also started writing on my blog, Make It In Music, and trying to take what I was learning from more established commercial mainstream artists and apply it to the DIY world that's called makeitinmusic.com and then over time i also started providing that as a service to label clients so i now have a little digital agency that does that
1: what have you seen over the years that hasn't changed
0: well in the time i've been dealing with online marketing uh, which as i say is about 10 years the importance of the website and mailing list hasn't changed at all um Obviously, different social media sites have come and gone, and that's a, a real indicator of why your mailing list becomes a primary method of reaching out to your fan base, because obviously, when you and I started doing this online stuff, MySpace was the only thing that mattered. that Facebook hadn't even been invented. Um, musicians spent an enormous amount of time trying to build up these large MySpace followings, and then literally overnight, MySpace disappeared, and uh, artists who had big followings there had nowhere to go. Had they had a mailing list they would have had that direct connection with their fans and could have survived that no problem. Unfortunately, many didn't. Now, do you
1: think that a lot of people stopped doing the mailing list when MySpace came along? Because I know for a long time, especially right around that 1997, 98, 99, because email and the internet is 1996. People don't realize it hasn't been that long. Uh, Because I used to see bands with clipboards at shows, uh, getting phone numbers and old school addresses. I mean remembering some of these sign-up sheets that we used to put out at clubs with some of the bands. That well, I and was.
0: you know what? You, you still see people doing that. Right. And, and I love, you know, it. I, I love I, it. I don't care how you collect an email address, but I mean, I think, I think the uh, idea of mailing your, your fans, um, goes back to the fan club days, you know, uh, right. people would see yeah, uh, a little two by four advert in the back of, uh, in our country, the enemy and the melody maker and, and whatever magazines you have in the States. And they would write in and, and they would go onto a physical mailing list. Um, so the methodology of of reaching people through direct mail or these days email, it, it, it's still the same. Um, but I think you're right; people definitely stopped doing that when they saw the power of social media and the reach they could get. Because people would think, "Well, I can get a few thousand people, maybe ten thousand people on my mailing list, and that's an amazing achievement." And I can get four hundred thousand, two million people follow me on MySpace and Facebook, but they're different. They're, it's a different relationship, you know. A, a Facebook follow. We'll stop talking about MySpace because it's gone. Right. But a, a Facebook follow or an Instagram follow, it's a casual relationship, right? It's like I follow people who whose music I've never bought um, on, on, Instagram and Facebook, I've, I'm interested in them. I might listen to them on, on Spotify, but I'm not really deeply ingrained with them. But the ba- some of the bands that I followed for 30 plus years, I'm on their mailing list. And then when they announce a tour, I get the mail. And, you know, as soon as the Ticketmaster opens at nine o'clock on the Monday morning, I'm there because I know, right. because, they, because they were able to tell me. So, I mean, people have stopped doing it because of the rise of social media, but that's a big mistake. I think what
1: they didn't realize was that they were giving control of their information over to a third party that wasn't going to so freely share that. And I think too is now with, you know, GetResponse and MailChimp and AWeber is that the tools that we have to maintain a relationship and a lot of that being automated are tools that not enough artists are actually using, you know, one of the things that uh, I I realized was that it wasn't hard to get an email address, but no one ever taught the artists how to have proper communication. You know, they kind of just showed up when they needed things or when there was something to sell or when there was something to advertise, not realizing that the the relationship that you want to build with your fans is with a friend. And I always, when I'm writing emails, I always look at it as if I'm writing it. To a friend, I wouldn't use fancy words and crazy pictures, and because my friends would look at that and go, "Who the heck are you talking to?"
0: Yeah, yeah, that's not
1: how we communicate. That's not how we do these things. Uh, Some of the strategies that you've been able to help DIY musicians implement, as far as their email communications, let's start with we talked about having a website and having a landing page. What is it that artists are doing now that you see is effective? in order to acquire that email address for the first time.
0: <laughs> Excuse me. Well, we, we, um, we've often said, and and people for a long time have been doing the uh, email exchange for a download for a, for a couple of tracks or a package or an album. And there is definitely a move at the moment where you have to admit that that's becoming more difficult because of streaming, but I don't think you should dismiss it. I think, um, there is still a space for saying to people, give me your email address, I will give you a download. It may be that you deliver the download over five days, you, a track a day, and you give people the option to stream it from SoundCloud and YouTube as well as having the download. But the critical thing is that whatever you choose to offer, I, I remember you and I talking about this, and, and call, you call it an ethical bribe, right? And so you've got to make, you've got to give them something special. So Part of that could be the download. Part of it could be experience. But the thing it really needs to be is exclusive. It's got to be something special.
1: I Uh, agree. I think trying to hand people stuff that everyone else can get access to isn't a reason for them to give you their email address. I think that a lot of times now we're able to give people uh, behind the scenes footage because of streaming and the ability to not clutter up. Because a lot of people don't want to clutter up their devices with extra you know, downloadable stuff because now the way that we consume is through streaming, either a a video or audio form. So I think the key, like you said, I love that word exclusive, something that's special, something that is different and being able to tell them I have something for you. Tell me where to send it versus submit versus give your email address. Let me add you to my list. You know, I, every day I'm trying to unsubscribe from lists. I'm not looking yeah. to sign up for more. So I think a lot of it just has to come along with proper communication, making it something that they want to have access to.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's like, you know, uh, you you've just raised the point there about uh, the button that that your your email service system will probably give you a default button it will probably say something like submit, which is the worst word in the world to have on your yeah. button, right? You know, I don't want to submit to anybody or anything. I'm I'm fully independent. I work for myself. I'm a DIYer. Wow. And uh, and and but we're all music fans, right? We don't want to submit to something. We want to give me the music or Let me in, or let me hear it—something like that—on your button. And, but as you say, the thing is to create um, the start of a relationship where the where the person who is at that moment not yet a fan, they're a potential fan, and it start that relationship in a way which is where you're saying, "I've got something that I would like to give you." I want you to check it out. It's exclusive, but I appreciate that you're going to have to, I'm not going to ask you to invest money, but I am going to ask you to invest your time and to agree your social reputation by listening to my stuff and seeing what you think and maybe being an advocate for it. So there is an exchange of value there where you're asking these people to give up their time and, and, and their brainpower, if you like, to think about whether they like what it is you've got and you need to respect that. And then you need to do it in a friendly one-to-one way although you're writing one-to-many each of those conversations as you've said is is one-to-one and it needs to be personal and real you know it's uh, don't dress it up i find a lot of the time when i work with diy artists that there's a real they can't let go of what they've seen the mainstream successful bands that they grew up with do and those people you can you can uh, ape some of the behavior of the bands that you love, who are mega right. stars, but you can't ape it all because you're different and you're in a different place, and you're approaching it in a DIY sense. And what the fan wants from a DIY music relationship is is a lot more honesty, uh, proximity, and um, realness.
1: Sure. And for those of you that might not understand what DIY means, it stands for do it yourself. And I teach the artists that I work with that are even signed to major labels that you must always remain DIY. There is a lot that you need to do yourself. Uh, You wouldn't turn your relationship with your best friend over to your record company. You wouldn't turn your relationship with your wife over to your record company or someone else. There's a certain level of you that needs to be in there. Now, a lot of artists are like, well, I'm too busy. There's a lot of things that we can do for you on the technical side of automating and making sure that it gets sent out at a certain time, but it needs to always be in your voice. You also need to understand too, is that if you want to maintain a great relationship and you've used that word a couple times, you wouldn't disappear on your friends for three and four months and then just show up when you need stuff. We don't like people in our own lives that just show up when they need things. And that's what I was seeing a lot of the artists. It's like vote for me, do for me, 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 me. And the conversation that we were having not too long ago was, what can you put in these follow-up sequences to maintain this relationship, to keep the conversation going? Because that's basically what you're wanting to do, is to keep the conversation going so that when you do need them to uh, do something that will help move you forward, it feels like They're obligated and they're like, yeah, of course, you know, I I would love to share this with my friends I would love to tell everyone and bring them to the show that you've invited me to and thank you so much for the two-for-one ticket offer I have a friend that I would love to introduce your music to so I think it's that follow-up conversation Is just as important if not more important than getting that initial email?
0: And it's something that I see, you know, endless numbers of musicians not even thinking about or because they haven't been told. Right. So the the process should be you. You've got to have a website. You should have a landing page or a squeeze page. You should send your potential fan to that page. They will make the ethical bribe exchange. They'll give you their email address and you'll give them something exclusive. And then the next stage in that process is that you should have what we call an autoresponder or, and an, a welcome sequence. And an autoresponder is just an email system that will send out those emails automatically over a series of days. And I, and I, genu- I, I generally go for something like seven to 10 emails over two to three weeks, just after somebody has joined your, your mailing list. And lots of musicians are like, oh no, you can't do that. It's going to upset people. They're going to unsubscribe. But you know what? If they unsubscribe, you didn't engage them and they're not interested. So that's fine. Right. Don't worry about people unsubscribing. And then in that sequence, the first email should be, did you get the link? Did you get the access to the exclusive thing? Did you watch the behind the scenes video where I told you what I'm all about? Whatever it was, or did you get the coupon code or the two for one offer? Any, whatever it is. And then the rest of those emails, so, so the next six to nine emails that you space out every couple of days, they might be delivering more free music. They might be sending them to another piece of uh, exclusive content. They might be telling them your story. It might be asking them to send you a playlist of their favorite music. It might be just asking them a question about why they like uh, the kind of music that you make, but not all about you, just just generally. And then within that sequence, at some point, you should definitely make an offer. You should say to them... Uh, Here's a CD that I still have. people still love buying physical, or here's the mer- a link to the merch shop, or we have a show in, in uh, a nearby town if you've if you've been targeting by area. Um, whatever it is, or even just go and watch my video or add me to a playlist on Spotify. You can make a request or make an offer to your new fan, but don't do it straight away. Don't immediately go in there, you know give them plenty of stuff, tell them about you, ask them about them, and then you can make some offers too.
1: I think another thing that you should really focus on as well with the tools that are being given to you is a lot of times I'll see people send an email out one time and they don't go back and resend to the folks that didn't open. And once you can, one of my mentors said, become a dork about the data. Uh, Once you understand if someone didn't open, and then on the other hand, if you see someone who's always opening your emails, they're telling you, I'm into what it is that you're doing. A lot of times we can't control. We may have a video from two years ago that was our most viewed video. We can't assume that they're going to just randomly start finding all your best stuff. So that's what you can put in your sequence, whether it was a big show that you played or whether it was something, oh my gosh, I can't believe how drunk our guitar player was when we filmed this video. Check it out at the three-minute mark. You know That yeah. it inspires people to take a look at something. So. Don't think that you're starting from scratch. I say recycle your winners. Go back and find things that help tell your story, that help show them that they made a good decision in wanting to follow you, especially if there's activity and they see a lot of people at a show or if there was some pictures that you took from the stage. Uh, Don't be afraid also to to ask them about themselves because once they reply back to your email – your email service provider now does what's called whitelisting them. And they're more apt to see your next email because a lot of email service providers, they're also in the business of delivering stuff that the person has shown is important to them. The same way Facebook determines what's going to be seen. So a lot of the little tricks that you can do, one of the ones that I do is when people sign up for my book or one of my handouts, I automatically have an email that goes out two hours after they signed up that says, hey, it's Rick, just wanted to make sure that you got the handout, hit reply and let me know. When they go that next step, that's a person who is really engaged with you. Something else you said that I want to uh, also state is unsubscribes are your friends. Because it's sure it could be impressive to have a 10,000 person email list, but if only 3,000 are consistently open, opening the emails and 5,000 never do anything, do what you can to get them off your list. One of my most open email subject lines is, would you please unsubscribe? And then the first line in that email says, there's nothing worse than getting emails that bring no value. And that is the last thing that I want to be. I noticed that you haven't opened my last few emails. If I'm that person to you, I want to say Sorry. And to make it up to you, I want you to have this. You would be surprised by, oh my gosh, Rick! Please don't unsubscribe me. I've been. They start telling you their life story.
0: Yeah, and the reply. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that blows the minds of of, of musicians when they get this stuff, right? They they uh, because when when. Um, I don't know but could but, but you do because you were there but well i I imagine that the Taylor's email system is run by the label or, or the management or whatever and when when an email is sent by a superstar like that it's not coming from the it's not coming from them it's coming from the marketing department and that's fine because that's how they do it but so even if uh, a fan would not understand that and might reply to that they're not expecting to get a reply back then from from the artist but when you're doing this for yourself and you're certainly when you've got less than 10,000 fans you will be blown away by how your fans will they'll get your email that you've sent out automatically to 10,000 people and 50, 100, 200 of them will hit re- reply and they will tell you something. And they'll be like, oh, my God, thanks, Ian, for sending me that. I love that track. That story was amazing. Uh, by the way, are you going to come and play shows in our town? Is there anything I can do for you? It's right. amazing. And it blows musicians' minds. And unless you engage with that, you're not going to, you know <laughs> – unless you build this mailing list and do it this way, you're simply not going to see that. And these become your super fans, your, your 1000 true fans that we all read about in the last 15 years. And, and uh, you know, they become advocates and they drive your growth and, and the amount of stuff you you and I are touching on it, but the amount of stuff that you can do by focusing on building this email list and building the relationship with it is um, it will, it blow the minds of the musicians who pick up on it now and go and do it and implement it properly because the scope of what you can achieve is immense.
1: Well, and it will definitely set you apart. And even when you get to that level of Taylor or insert superstar artist here, you should never turn complete control. You need to step in there every now and then. And it takes no time. And that's what I love, what she does with her Tumblr. That's what I love. You know, I manage the American Idol winner, Trent Harmon. Uh, he takes care of all of his stuff. I mean, yeah. what he's done, which is interesting, is there's ways for you to set up things like asking them for their birthday and you can set up automatically birthday messages yeah. to, go out to your fans. There's so many things that you can do. But what I want you guys to leave from this conversation is knowing that email is just another tool to put in your arsenal to maintain that relationship because you playing music and putting music out there doesn't make you different. There's thousands upon thousands, we're probably into the millions now of people who are putting out music. It's the relationship that you build with your fan that's going to set you apart, it's going to increase your plays on Spotify, your views on Vivo and YouTube, get more people to your shows. Just don't magically think that just because you create art, it's their responsibility to find you. It's actually your responsibility to find them. We're all busy. Just think how busy you are. They're busy as well. So think about how you would want to be communicated with. Think about how often you would want to hear from someone. Think about what you would love to get from someone. Think about the emails that you read that make you open them and then deliver that to your potential fans where can people find out more about you
0: so uh, the main website is makeitinmusic.com and uh, we we just write all sorts of advice for musicians there uh, on a regular basis but just for this podcast we've just set up a little landing page of our own so you can you'll see that in action as a musician that's called musicianmailinglist.com and there's a checklist and a workbook there which will help people with this process um so yeah musician musicianmailinglist.com
1: Awesome, my friend. Well, I appreciate you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know the time difference is uh, is a little different, five hours, so I appreciate that, and we will talk to you again sooner rather than later. For those of you that uh, may have just found this podcast for the first time, uh, go over to my website, rickbarker.com. While you're there, you can download a free copy uh, of my book, The $150,000 Music Degree. You can also take a quiz, answer a couple questions, let me know who you are and what your role is in the music industry. And I will send a handout specific to you and then invite you to a free training because there's nothing better than being in the music business. I absolutely love it. I come from a background uh, of, I didn't get to go to a fancy college. Uh, Matter of fact, I'd never managed anyone before until Taylor, but I absolutely love this business and there's a place for you. But the best way for me to give you advice is to know a little bit more about you And I'll see you on the next episode. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Remember, there is no one-size-fits-all model when it comes to the music industry. So check out my website, rickbarker.com, take the quiz, and I will send you information specific to you to help make sure that you are on the right track. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water. You drown by staying there.